Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our Wednesday night time together. Before we get into God's Word, I just want to remind you of a couple of things that are very important. Uh, first of all, uh, to remind you that we're still receiving offerings for our Annie Armstrong offering. And it's very, very important that we support our brothers and sisters in Christ who are sharing the gospel uh, throughout the United States and Canada. Uh, unfortunately, as you already know, uh, we were not able to take that offering up on Easter because of the coronavirus uh, crisis that we're dealing with. Our goal is 7,000. And some of you have already responded in addition to what has already come in. I just want to encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, just make sure that you label it Annie Armstrong so that it's counted in the right place. Uh, the second thing, of course, is this coming Sunday. And I'm excited that we are able to take our first step toward returning to where we were eight weeks ago. And this seems like more than eight weeks to me, but um, we need to go ahead and start moving in that direction. We have the governor's blessing on this, and so this coming Sunday, May the 17th, we'll take that first step, and we're offering worship, and worship only. There'll be no Sunday school, uh, there'll be um, no nursery, preschool, or children's church. We're calling this family worship because you can come as a family and sit as a family, and then we will take the necessary uh, measures to uh, use the social distancing guidelines uh, to protect each of the families and have you spread out. So I want to encourage you to come. We sent out letters today that go over all the details. And uh, so you should be receiving that in the next day or so. And we'll uh, also be having it on Facebook, Instagram, all those other places as well. So uh, look at that very carefully. Let me just remind you of something very, very important, three important things about it. Number one, if you have an illness, please stay at home. We'll miss you, but you're loved and you need to be staying at home. Uh, if you have underlying conditions that concern you, or you're just not certain yet you're ready to come out in, in a larger assembly such as this, uh, then again, uh, stay at home, be at peace, uh, we'll miss you, but you still be loved, of course, and we're looking forward to the day that you will feel comfortable to do that. We will be live streaming the services, and there'll be two services. There'll be one at 9 o'clock. Um, that'll be our traditional service, and then at 11 o'clock will be our contemporary service, and they both will be here in the Family Life Center because here we have the space to spread everybody out, meet all of the social distancing guidelines guidelines they have laid out before us and keep everyone safe. And that always will be our top priority. So just be in prayer. I look at the information that is sent to you and I hope I get to see you this coming Sunday. So you keep those two things in mind and let's go ahead now and just get into God's Word together. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're currently in a series of studies on that passage of Scripture 
we call the Lord's Prayer. And uh, our goal is to dig deeper than the beautiful words that are on the surface and be able to pull out all the other truth that is built in to the words Jesus is saying and using to teach the disciples how to pray. They asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, in reality, they were asking him, teach us how to pray the way you pray because they saw how God moves so powerfully and wonderfully when Christ lifted up his voice to the heavenly Father. And so, so far in our study together, we've looked at half of this prayer where the scripture says, he said, pray in this manner, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And in this first half of the prayer that Christ gave to them, we've talked about the person of prayer. We've talked about the praise of prayer. We've talked about the purpose of prayer and the provision of prayer. Tonight, as we begin moving into the second half of this prayer, our focus is going to be on the pardon of prayer. It's found in verse 12, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And here's what Jesus said to them. He said, pray in this manner, uh, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, there are two issues that are very dangerous and defeating in our lives. Those two issues are guilt and bitterness. And when I talk about guilt, I'm talking about that feeling, that emotional feeling and struggle we have when we know we're guilty. We know we have done something wrong or we have said something wrong. And so we know the guilt is there because we have committed that sin and, and committed that act that is wrong, either before God or against man, whatever it may be. And that emotional feeling we have is very dangerous if we don't deal with it. That guilt has to be dealt with properly according to the Word of God or it will not heal and it will fester inside of us. And so we have this issue called guilt, but we also have this issue called bitterness. And again, bitterness is a very dangerous emotion and attitude for us to have. And so in this one verse, uh, Matthew 6, 12, talking about the pardon uh, of sin or the pardon of prayer, Jesus addresses both of these. So this is a very important verse. And so what I'd like to do is share with you four factors that are part of the pardon of prayer that deals with both the guilt and the bitterness that could destroy our lives if we don't deal with them correctly in the Lord. So let's look at it together. And the first factor I want you to write down is simply what I call the grace factor. Jesus said, pray in this manner, forgive us our debts. And he's talking here about the debt sin that we have because we all have sin and come short of the glory of God. We're all guilty and we all desperately need forgiveness. Even after accepting Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, knowing that Christ has already paid in full for the guilt of my sin as a son of God in Christ, as a father of Christ, 
Christ, uh, and he being uh, uh, the uh, eternal God being our Father, when I do sin, I still need his forgiveness as my Father so I can restore the fellowship I have broken because of my sin. And so this is a very, very important uh, request that we make of the Lord, forgive us of our debt, that is forgive us of our sins. Now we praise the Lord that by his grace he forgives us. We praise the Lord for 1 John 1, 9 where the scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, he will be faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Righteousness. We're just so uh, grateful. We praise God uh, because He is gracious. He is merciful. Uh, he is forgiving. And so when we come to Him with a sincere heart, <clears throat> Scripture says He is not only faithful, He's righteous in doing this. Why? Because Christ has already provided the perfect atonement for that forgiveness. And so when we come in confession, He does forgive. He extends his incredible grace toward us. Now, this is where it gets important. So just hold your place there and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 32. We're calling this the grace factor. And here's what I want you to see. Look at this verse. Paul is talking about God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. So here's what he writes. Paul writes, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. In other words, here's what the Lord is saying through Paul. As I have extended grace to you, I want you to extend that same grace to others in your life. As I have forgiven you, I want you to extend that forgiveness to others in your life. As I have been so good to you, I want you to extend that goodness to others in your life. We call this the grace factor. He wants us to be as gracious as he is to us, to others. And that's why Jesus said, Lord, forgive us of our debt as we also have forgiven those who are our debtors. That is, forgive me of my sins as we have also forgiven those who have sinned against us. So that is the grace factor. I was reading in my study time of a man who, uh, he was an employee. He had embezzled a couple of hundred dollars. Of course, when they checked the records, he got caught. And now he is being sent to the executive's office. And he's got to face the consequences of his action. He knew he was going to lose his job. He's going to be dismissed. His greatest fear was that they were going to bring charges. And, of course, then he would end up in jail. And so with great fear, he entered into the office of the executive, and the executive looked at him and said, is it true that you did what they charged you to do? And he said, yes, sir, I am guilty, I did it. And then the executor asked him this question, caught him off guard. He said, let me ask you something. If I choose to not dismiss you, if I choose to keep you in that position that you already had, how can, can I trust you that you will never, ever do this again? 
And of course, the man said, with all my heart and all my soul, if you, were, if you would be that gracious and give me a second chance, I promise you that I will never do it again. And so the executive said, well, then you're forgiven. I will not dismiss you. You still have your position, and you will not be charged. And then he looked at the man and said this, you're not the first man in this company to receive such mercy. I was. At your age, I did exactly what you did. But the people over me extended mercy and forgiveness and grace. And now I'm extending that mercy and grace to you. That's why we call it the grace factor. As God has lavished his grace upon us, he expects us in turn to lavish grace upon people in our lives. But I want you to look at a second thing here, not just the grace factor. I want you to look also at the guilt factor as well. Kind of interesting when you look at this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, he says, and forgive us our debts as. Now you circle that. Circle as, because in that one phrase or that one word, he just created a condition. He says, he says, forgive us of our debts as, or in the same manner, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there is a condition here. Now, in other words, Jesus says, Jesus creates the conditions. I want you, Lord, uh, Father in heaven, to treat me the way I am treating others. Well, that puts a different light on just what these words are trying to say. But look what Jesus says immediately after the Lord's Prayer as you look in verses uh, 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 6 Verses 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Then he says, But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Wow. Think about that with me. To be godly is to act like God as best we can. To be ungodly is do just the opposite of what God would do. So you see, when we harbor an unforgiving spirit towards someone who has hurt us, or at least we perceive they have hurt us, that doesn't matter. The issue is when we harbor an unforgiving spirit, that's an ungodly spirit. That's an un godly attitude in our lives. Because we had a godly attitude, we would be as gracious, we'd be as merciful, we would be, <coughs> excuse me, as forgiving as he is in our lives. And besides that, Jesus makes reference here to the reality that if we're not willing to forgive others as followers of Christ, this is not about salvation. This is about our relationship with God and Him being our Heavenly Father and whether that fellowship is broken, whether that fellowship is restored, He said, look, if you harbor an unforgiving spirit, then when you come to me with your sins, forgiveness is not there until you extend forgiveness. Look at it again. He said, if you do not forgive others, 
then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. And so here you are in broken fellowship with the Father, and it's going to stay that way until you choose with a godly attitude to extend forgiveness and grace and mercy just as God has extended it to you in your life. And then you can be forgiven and you can be cleansed as a child of God, as a follower of Christ. Jesus tells the parable in Matthew chapter 18 and verses 23 through 35. We're not going to read all of that, but I'll just kind of summarize it for you. Um, there was a man who, who uh, owed the king, put in our terminology today, probably several billion dollars. He obviously could not pay that debt to the king. The king knew he couldn't pay that debt. This man asked and pleaded for mercy, and so the king absolutely forgave him totally of the debt and released him. But this man went out and found somebody else that owed him something, and compared to what he owed the king, we're talking chump change, and he just told that guy, said, look, you don't pay me what you owe me. I'm going to have you thrown in jail. Well, the word got back to the king. And when the king heard what the man he had so incredibly, lavishly forgiven had done, when he heard about that, he called that man in. He took back everything he had done and put him right back in jail. What was the point Jesus was making? The point is when we look at how incredibly gracious, loving, merciful, forgiving, totally undeserved, totally unearned forgiveness that God has lavished upon us, how could we have the audacity not to forgive those that have hurt us or at least we have perceived have hurt us in some manner? There's no comparison. And so when we look at this part of the Lord's Prayer, we see the grace factor, we see the guilt factor. I want you to look at this part, what we call the grief factor. This is very fascinating to me, but it really is something we need to grab hold of. And so I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read verse 15, and then we're going to end up over back in Ephesians. But look at this, first of all. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. And here is what the Scripture says. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Now listen to this. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Now look at that phrase with me, the root of bitterness. You see, the root is that part that is underground. It's not seen. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the root of bitterness in your heart? Oh, you can put on a happy face and, and you can act like everything is great, but is there really in your heart, in your soul, a root of bitterness? The scripture says here, this, this is a terrible thing for our lives. It's something that festers in our lives. And it says here, it's going to bring trouble. 
It is going to bring trouble. In fact, it goes on to say there in Hebrews 12, 15, that it's going to defile many people. In other words, eventually it's going to have impact on just about everybody in our lives when we are struggling and dealing with this root of bitterness in us. Now, Paul gives us a picture of it in Ephesians chapter 4. So, would you turn back? We were in verse 32 a while ago, but I want to just look at the verse right before that and really explain to you what this means. Listen to what he says, Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 31. And Paul says this, by the way, this is written as an imperative. So it says, hey, this is something you need to do. He says, let all, listen, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, notice the progression here. He begins with bitterness. Let all bitterness, and then he says, and wrath. What is wrath? It literally means to burn. In other words, something that's festering inside of you. It's kind of like in a volcano, you know, uh, underneath what you cannot see, there is this festering going on, this burning that is going on. And he says that, that's what happens with bitterness. Eventually, it begins to get hot and it begins to burn deep down in, in the root system of our soul. And it says, let all bitterness and wrath, and eventually that turns to anger. And, and the word for anger means to be outspoken. Eventually, it's going to come out. And as it comes out, we begin to share uh, that bitterness and that resentment that is there. We begin to, to lay it out there or, or um, you know, just get to that point where, you know, we're it's going off the cap. I mean, we're just, we're just letting it roll. But then it even gets worse than that because then he says not, not only all bitterness and wrath and anger, but then he says clamor. And the word clamor means now you're shouting. Don't shout at me. I'm not shouting at you. You know how the argument goes and how it begins to progress. Where did it all start? Bitterness. And then that wrath, that burning festering on the inside. Then it begins to come out in spoken word, the anger that is there. Now you're shouting at one another. And then it says, not only to, uh, from the bitterness to the wrath to the anger clamor, then it says the slander. Some translations may, uh, use the phrase evil speaking. This is when we start calling each other names and start saying ugly things about each other and to one another. And so it's tensifying and the pressure is going up and, and then it ends up with malice. And what is malice? Malice is when you get to that place in your heart, you want to do harm. Where did it all start? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and now it gets physical. And we end up doing physical harm to one another. So you see, bitterness does cause trouble. And it's like a volcano. And when it finally explodes like he describes here in Ephesians 4.31, there's no control. Like a volcano, it's just spewing out everywhere and it's touching everything around it. That means you're touching every life that's in your life. 
And those seeds of bitterness and resentment are now being sown into their hearts and their lives. So many, as the scripture says in Hebrews 12, 15, are defiled. See how important this verse is? Forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. There is the grace factor. There is the guilt factor factor. There is the grief. It causes all kinds of grief if we allow bitterness to stay. Let me close with this. There is the gain factor. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. Then I want to read Psalms 133.1 and just close with a few words here. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Look at this in Psalms 131 and, and verse 1. 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. You see, one of the tools that Satan uses to divide and conquer, quench the spirit, grieve the spirit, tear a church up is through an unforgiving spirit. This brother has this against that brother, and this sister has this against that sister, just using that as an example. And, you know, through that whole process, you know, we are, we are allowing Satan, using us even as followers of Christ, to destroy the work of the kingdom of God. But when we're willing to seek reconciliation, Jesus said, look, if someone's got something to get you, go and, and do your part to make it right. Now, I know I have people say this to me all the time. Well, they're more at fault than I am. Okay, but you still have fault. And it's your responsibility to deal with your part. They'll have to deal with their part in terms of the Lord. But you do everything you can in the name of the Lord to seek reconciliation and to seek unity in the body of Christ through the spirit of forgiveness, extending grace, extending mercy, and extending love. You see, this one phrase is very powerful because there's the grace factor, there's the guilt factor, there's the grief factor, but there's the gain factor. When we live by the words of Christ here, it just opens up heaven over us. The Holy Spirit has the freedom to do mighty work in us and through us and in the body of Christ and through the body of Christ. So, like the disciples, let's embrace this truth with all of our heart. When we seek that forgiveness, we get it. God extends His grace. Now, let's extend that grace to each other. So, Father God, we come. We're just so grateful. Uh, for what you teach us in your word. And Lord, just give us the courage and the strength and the want to, a hunger in our hearts. Lord, in everything we've looked at so far, in the 
person of prayer and the praise of prayer and the purpose of prayer and the provision of prayer and now tonight the pardon of prayer, that we embrace these truths so that we can see the works of your mighty hands and you get the glory for it all. Thank you for our time together tonight. Bless all, Lord, who have participated and uh, show them favor in the days ahead. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.